Into the Paint Podcast, Episode 3, featuring Harry Bix. Welcome to Into the Paint Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tino. This week, we have Harry Bix as our guest. And Harry is an amazing artist who I've been fortunate to know in London. I met him several months ago at a book launch for Page Masters. And that night, we sort of launched into this all-encompassing conversation about his practice in landscape architecture, performance. We also talked about other crazy sort of pop culture references. Um, And the conversation that we have on this episode sort of mirrors some of those first conversations that we had. Um, We spoke a lot about kind of growing up and youthhood, and Harry had an interesting upbringing in East Anglia. Um, and talking about sort of the community of friends and how creativity and comedy, laughter continue to be a part of his work. Um, He considers himself a situational interactivist, which is, I think, a fitting term for how he works. Some of the, the things he produces include, for example, a karaoke night, that uh, happens at Set Social in Peckham on Monday nights. I don't know if it's every week, but it's certainly worth going to one, and it doesn't feel like your normal karaoke, but it certainly is a good time. So we spoke a lot about how this practice of kind of being community-oriented began for him, and one of the things we spoke a lot about was these ethics that are kind of inherent to sort of like hip-hop culture and how influential that has been to him. We also talked a little bit about this idea of maintenance art, which is something that is sort of resonating with me these days. Um, You know, is the podcast even a form of maintenance art? And he cites a artist that Um, We spoke a little bit about named Merle Latterman Ukelez, who is a really interesting artist who coined the term maintenance art manifesto, uh, or maintenance art, and this was uh, published in a manifesto in 1969. And some of the ideas uh, behind that also came into what, you know, what is the work that goes into an artwork that maybe is not always presented to the public. So this is work that's happening both publicly and privately. She also was, in 1977, an artist-in-residence at the New York City Department of Sanitation. I know that that residency has been sort of reestablished in recent years, but we're also, yeah, so we were thinking kind of a lot through how, how a practice can be, can be maintained like this, like how how do you credit all those who contribute to creating spaces and artworks? Harry's really big on this idea of the shout-out track, and we were also thinking about, in the vein of maintenance art, do we do we list the kind of like a shout-out track 
um, in the notes of the episode, but actually it's sort of the, the episode is really a shout out track in and of itself. I think um, the way Harry works is very humble and he thinks a lot about the contributions that other people have made towards him. So this was actually a really great conversation uh, to have and and kind of, you know, felt therapeutic, at least from my side. One of the, the, the funny things about East Anglia Records is the kind of humor that's embedded in it too. So East Anglia Records... Um, claims to be the originator of the genre rhythm and disappointment, R&D. Um, East Anglia Records also hand makes nights, albums, and merchandise. Um, so this is kind of just an interesting way of talking about how to kind of have a socially engaged practice. Um, Harry and I are also obsessed with these takeovers of... Uh, public spaces that aren't really public spaces such as the night that I had at Ikea and we talked a little bit about the Lewisham McDonald's and uh, a drawing that he made in sweet and sour sauce at a fast food restaurant Um, but this is just a really fun conversation and it's always great to see Harry so I hope you enjoy my conversation with him. Is this, is this not seltzer water? That's what you're drinking. <laughs> it is seltzer water. <laughs> so uh, good, that, isn't it? It's fucking so crazy. That other, so that one is a calendar that a friend in my, uh, of mine and I made. It basically... W.G. Grace. One night, it's about W.G. Grace and Babe Ruth. Oh, wow, yeah. So it, so it just so happens... Oh, they met each other and everything. They, I don't think they ever really met each other, but they... Because of these baseball players, the ones in the there was, there was some overlap in, like, cricket and baseball, but wow. basically, 1914 was W.G. Grace's last year yeah. um, playing professional cricket, and it was Babe Ruth's first year yeah. in Major League Baseball, and so the calendar is a 1914 calendar, which right. is also the outbreak of World War One. And, like, just crazy shit happened in 1914. So, uh, we have, like, suffragette um, stuff where they were, like... Yeah, like Emily Bank- Pankhurst and all that. Was it? Yeah, and there yeah. was... There, I think it was at the, the National Portrait Gallery. There was, like, an attack on a painting. And, I, you know, it kind of was resonating with, like, all the... Um, the Whatchamacallit, the... Um, just stop oil stuff, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah. I like the, the orange powder and that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think there was something about this is actually 1914 was pre Spanish flu, but it kind of like there's I think there's some there's some strong correlations that you could make between like that time in the 20th century and now with like inflation and yeah um i mean and and, it's always hard to get back somewhere though isn't it because i was even i was thinking the other day about like even like five years ago or like 10 years ago yeah are you recording now are you like what are you doing no don't worry about it okay okay, (laughs) (laughs) no but like um 
even like uh, 10 years ago, it's quite hard to imagine what the context was like, even though I was in it. But do you mean, so imagine 1914 is even more difficult, isn't it? Yeah. To imagine like the feeling of like the angst of the situation or like, and even people like recounting it won't remember it properly in a way. Do yeah. You know what I mean, so it's sort of hard to kind of like get into that headspace. But then I suppose you can say, okay, loads of loads of people just kicking off, basically throwing themselves in front of horses and like destroy, destroying art. And yeah, no, exactly. Hitting a cricket ball really well. <laughs> it, it, it's one of the, it's like just long enough ago that it's kind of hard to imagine. But then it's also, yeah, when you, when you start to kind of make the, the parallels, then you kind of realize it's all kind of the same thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, is what we thought was funny was that um, it's not like because it's 2023, it's not like it was um, done on like a specific like centennial year. Oh right, like, yeah. It's sort a, of like a bit annoyingly off. Yeah, there's it's a sort pop- of ten. It's not even a four. It's like a three, and it's it's ten years. It's like eleven years. I think it was in or nine years. February or March when we made it, and there's a date. It says like in one hundred nine years. Somewhere <laughs> yeah, one hundred nine <laughs> years. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's quite nice. Yeah, the way that all those kind of centuries are idolized. Or yeah. Like, well, yeah, like. I keep going through, it's, it keeps happening, doesn't it? Boy in the Corner, it's like 10-year anniversary, 25-year anniversary, or like Illmatic or something. Right. Illmatic, right. and it keeps, keeps having these like milestones yeah. that are kind of completely irrelevant. Yeah, to like 12th it. anniversary. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do, exactly. They should do the 109th year anniversary of, of Boy in the Corner. I hope someone does that. There was, um, there was an elephant day at Fenway Park in Boston in okay. there, which we made sure to put in the what calendar. What is an elephant day? I think it's just they, like, had elephants. Right. You know what I mean? Because... Oh, well, they had elephants in the zoo and they got them out. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. also back then, like, you know, going to the, a baseball game or a cricket game, that's, like, your major source of entertainment, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, like... Uh, Elephant Day at Fenway Park, you know, just thinking about the 109th anniversary of (laughs) Elephant Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It was, you know, it was one of those things that, like, we were like, this is so stupid as we were making it. And then we, like, you know, got a drink afterwards and we were like, is it really smart? Yeah. (laughs) The thing is, like, this, the WG Grace image is, like, that's like when I was growing up, that was just there so off so much. I think my dad had loads of pictures of WG Grace. Yeah. It's like cricket's massively, massive in my family. So like there was always like a consistent image of like, like there's these books called Wisdom. Do you know that? They're like, they're called, they're like yellow books. Oh yeah. And they're just kind of like history. Yeah, like but they're, hi- they're like the history of cricket. Like each book is a year and they've been going for about a hundred years and they've, they're, but they're not like a kind of um, emotional history. They're more like a kind of statistical history, okay. like stats history. Right. Which is kind of interesting, like, because cricket is all accounted, you know, all the runs and everything are accounted for in like a scorebook. Mm. It's very like the whole understanding of the game is like, is sort of abstracted into these like figures and numbers. Interesting. So you can kind of read a scorebook back. Right. And you can kind of you could maybe speculate as to the emotion of the occasion. Mm. You know, like like with a football match, like if you saw that someone scored in the night, it says like 98, yeah. Callum Wilson, you know that then that was like 2-1, that, that then that it's evocative of mm. like emotions. But like, yeah, 
That's uh, interesting, <laughs> though, because I think um, a couple years ago, uh, this must have been like 2017 or something. It was the last, um, um, and actually, my, like my last kind of like radio project. I I was really inspired by. There was this uh, announcer who was calling games for the Dodgers in like the 60s and maybe even earlier, like when Jackie Robinson joined the Major League Baseball and stuff. Oh, yeah. His name is Vin I, Scully. I right? think it's, I don't know, like probably in, in the same way, you might not know who Callum Wilson is. I do right. not know who Jackie <laughs> Okay, so yeah. yeah, Jackie Robinson was like the first black player in Major League Baseball. Oh, right, okay. Like, because okay. there were separate leagues. And so he was a, a big deal, big crossover. And he played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. So when the Dodgers moved to L.A., um, Vin Scully moved with the team. But then Vin Scully sort of became like the voice of baseball. Yeah. So if you've ever seen a movie that has like the World Series, and he used to call the World Series too. Um, but one of the things about Vin Scully and his leaving MLB was the whole, like he was not a statistical announcer. He right. was very much like kind of... Um, like really poetic in his announcement and he it was more like play by play or he'd tell these weird stories like kind of yeah. like tall tales about the person which really made the game more about like uh you know it was a little bit more dramatic mm-hmm. and it's interesting i think there might be something to be said about the difference in how um how like score keeping might be um valued in the two sports and it might it might even be down to like a cultural difference because i i think now baseball is very statistical analysis and that's mostly for the bookies and for people betting on the games but it kind of really wasn't about that for a long time it was more about like elephant day at fucking fenway park okay or you know it was kind of more but do they score a match of baseball like is it there's a there's a person that scores and says because isn't there any there's only one thing to keep, really, isn't there? Which it's is just like runs. The, like like because a score in baseball might be like what fifteen ten or something like that. Is the, it is that like a what's the what's the number area for baseball? Yeah. Is it like yeah, we're talking something like that. Yeah, yeah. like uh, in Major League Baseball, much it's less because they're actually kind of quite good. Yeah, right. So they don't score as much. Oh right, yeah. so but, but it's like the a low strikeout. Yeah, yeah. But whereas, like you know, like cricket's like. It'll be like four hundred and seventeen for yeah, five, right? And it like means that there's been five wickets down, and it's like you know it's got that many runs, you know. So then and then and then there's like the individ the runs of the individual players, and then there's like the time that the wicket fell, and there's like the right. time that the and and the the, the the like the pairing, the partnership that the people got, you know. Mm. But I suppose it kind of is like and it was like entering it into stats. Like yeah, early because they kind of do that in football now. But the main thing is like the score. But but everyone can kind of understand the score of football. Whereas like you right. quite understand if you don't know, like not into cricket or anything, you don't really understand like. Yeah, I'm still all these struggling figures, with like, cricket so. <laughs> because you can like win by an inning. Yeah, right. Where I think you can bit- also draw. It's kind of yeah. like some nice ambiguity to it. There's like the idea of and in gentlemen's cricket, it's like you can kind of you can sort of declare. So you can declare at a point where you feel as though you, you can declare at a point where you can make you want to make a match of it basically. So right. you can sort of say like, "Oh, we'll give you a chance to get these runs, but we'll also give us a chance to try and bowl you out." I see. So like, but that, I quite like the ambiguity there in cricket because it's sort of it, it's slightly more like, um, yeah, it, it, like you might play for five days and you draw, 
Mm. And it doesn't matter because the occasion and the process was the kind of important thing, maybe. Yeah. Or like the kind of... Um, you can dial in the gameplay a little bit yeah. in, in a different way. Um, yeah, it's not just sort of like, bru- like kind of brutalist, like just score, like get more fucking balls in the net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah, because I mean, I've been having that feeling with football at the minute as well. I was saying this to this um, this singing teacher that I've, that I send you those songs, basically. Yeah, but, I, I, but, I was loving that work. <laughs> no, but yeah, but yeah. I mean, just like the, what do you call it? Like, I was saying about, and I, was, I thought this maybe a couple of years ago, like I wrote it down, but it was like, um, my relationship to football has always been like with the ball itself. Mm. And I, was, I used to watch those like things with Ronaldinho, who was like, you know, the best Brazilian player of the sort of early 2000s. He right. was like an idol. And um, all, the, all that kind of Nike um, kind of adverts and stuff was showing how they would prepare for a game. And they're like literally just playing samba the whole time. They're like dancing and drumming. Oh, wow. And then like their body's moving, their hips and their shoulders are moving. And then they, and they just kind of like have this slow fade into the, into the match. Yeah. So then they start moving their body in exactly the same way. They kind of move into the rhythm of the beat. Oh, wow. And it's like, and the, and so the, and the ball's just like this kind of dancer amongst this kind of movement of bodies right and um i just love i love that about that kind of the idea of the brazilian game this kind of like sexy football right and so i thought that like and and my relationship to was was always like with football it's like i was like bouncing it in my village going to the football pitch and and playing footy and just and it was never about like so much about winning or losing like Mm. those kind of definite things like yeah it's those kind of looser things with football that I think are really related to like the is idea it, of dancing more than the idea of winning and losing yeah the feeling you come away from a game with kind of thing or no but it's not even about the game as yeah. well like it's more about dancing with the ball like the ball itself yeah. the ball itself being like a kind of something through which you kind of dance with yeah. and kind of like time your body with rather right. than like trying to win you know I think it's similar to and I know you're playing basketball and stuff these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, maybe, um, I mean, obviously, kind of like the streetball culture in the States, which is kind of linked to hip-hop. Yeah, and, yeah. And um, the old mixtapes that, you know, they used to make. Um, I think they were called And One. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like, pretty amazing. And, yeah, like, I think you wonder, and you can, I mean, not being a huge football um I mean, I, I like watching it, right? Yeah, but, yeah. like, not knowing that much, I can tell you for sure, I can tell the difference between a Brazilian's game and a German's game. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I can imagine the German team practicing to craft work. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Like, I mean, it might change now a bit, but, yeah. like, yeah, that, that, that's the kind of idea. There is a good book which is called Those Feet, and it talks about how... England because the whole history of like football was based on kind of like oppressing young boys at Eton school and getting them to have like strict order in their day yeah like it was a bit like sports was like the army or something and so how England would never win the world cup because like they were kind of oppressed and like it was an oppressive kind of thing Mm. sorry that's not really maybe the greatest word well yeah so that like like, victory is not like 
like part of it. Well, it's a, it, it, yeah. it was, no, probably victory was a massive part of it. It was more yeah. like about war, like winning ah, and losing. I see. And also like sort of sexually like as well, like it was about stopping boys from having like three, three, four and like want mm. their mind like wandering off into like right. other directions. Whereas like he talks about how the Portuguese game, they introduced the term like sexy football, like Rude Hullet okay. introduced the term sexy football. And it was the idea that like their game was based on this kind of you more know, sensual, like more sensual, yeah. spiritual kind of felt. You know, yeah. it's like this thing, like this kind of felt thing, as opposed to this kind of like statistical thing. You know, yeah. which I think is kind of well, it's interesting. It, we just got into that from your lovely yeah. Thing. I know. I mean, you could you could apply. I think the same thing to kind of like British art versus kind of uh, you know art from you know, Flanders in the high Renaissance too. I mean, even just the difference between, uh, you know, uh, like the sensuality. I mean, if you think of like the big kind of like British painters, um, Gainsborough, Romney, um, I mean, it, it's just lacking that same kind of, like even just yeah. the use of color, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. and I, sometimes I wonder, is this like a, is it literally like a Catholic versus Protestant thing? Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, Where yeah, like, yeah. I mean, not to not to be craftwork versus samba, right? You know, <laughs> it's like I think there is something like as oppressive as Catholicism can be as well. There's kind of this like you should you can still you can still be oppressed by the Catholic Church and enjoy a sensual painting, yeah, you know, yeah, in yeah, a cathedral. Yeah. Uh, with you know gold leafing and, and and things like this, so I I don't know I don't know where that really comes from, other than uh, you know I try to attribute it to or I attribute it to like kind of like spiritual tradition, mm. maybe yeah yeah yeah. Um, but what but what's that all about? <laughs> Why can't people just enjoy themselves? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think you feel like you know more about it than me, like the constable work and all that kind of stuff. Like, but yeah, but I kind of got this image of, in my head of like a kind of, um, I suppose, like someone about his manor with a with a horse, and then the the kind of distant kind of uh, landscape and right. manor house in the backdrop. Right? Mm. That kind of, yeah. I mean, because I was doing like a bit of, you know, I've been doing a bit of teaching recently, like teaching students that I've just left. Um, like just well they're in kind of like sixth form kind okay, of okay and it yeah. was like a it's like a widening participation thing right that I was yeah that's amazing like a saturday club thing and but there's a lot of like there's a lot of that thing that kids are leaving school and that and that like the, uh, sorry a lot of the re- repeating things that i heard were like this idea of like a realistic painting like and if it's not if it doesn't look real then it's not quite right or like mm. um so yeah, I don't know. That it's just sort of relates somehow yeah. to what you were saying, but like, I and I suppose we were like um, asking, you know, asking them if if um, they could sort of just enter into these other mediums, like because it's like painting and drawing seems like the focus, and maybe maybe in schools, like you know, at school you're kind of maybe taught what the working world looks like a bit. Like you go to school and you get a desk and you kind of sit at the desk and you make work at the desk mm. and and you kind of memorize things and you're examined and then right. if you can remember the best then you win yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah yeah and uh and and I, and I suppose like yeah the 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 kids at the the, the the people the young artists that I'm teaching um or I'm you know with them they're kind of part of this 
this system, I suppose, that they, they see things in a very kind of, I don't know, reward examined way as well. So, right. so the idea of like painting really well or like drawing really well. It's about the technicality. It's, it's about and, the technicality. Yeah. So that it's sort of, yeah, I mean, this isn't, this is, a bit, this is like not all of the students or whatever, but that, that kind of came up a lot, the idea of having to make something like perfect, right. basically. Yeah, or you can, <laughs> you can tell it's, it you know, it might not be, it, you know, might not be like their personal approach, but that like we're all products of our yeah. education. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, so when you were coming up, um, did you feel, what was your, like, art education like as a kid? Oh, um, well, I don't know. I mean, I was thinking, I sort of, um, we're sort of getting into it now, aren't we? A I little bit, a little bit. <laughs> I like that sort of, like, slow <laughs> fade. You like that transition DJ, there? Yeah, yeah, that was but, yeah, DJ no, Anton on the ones and twos. On I just s- wonder if, you know, you're, so now you're teaching young people, like, when, I guess, the question, the real question is when, you put yourself in in their shoes. Like, how how was your kind of mm. arts education different? Or yeah, no, I mean, it, it was it was similar. Yeah. I had a really good teacher at school. Um, he was kind of showing us a lot about. It was all about like Saint Ives painters. They were like he was painting a lot of like stuff from the like the. I suppose it's like a lot of kind of coastal art. Yeah, the and sea. So, and, yeah, 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 yeah. So. I was really getting into... He was sort of telling me about Ben Nicholson and Alfred Wallace and all these kinds of people, uh, you know. So, but then, I don't know, they all took us on a bus to see the Turner Prize and that was pretty good, actually. Yeah. Because we sort of went down there and and uh, I saw them, like, Keith Tyson joins. You know that guy, mm, Keith Tyson? Yeah. He saw, yeah. I think he won the Turner Prize that year. But it was like when I got there to the, t- to the Tate and saw the those works, those like Keith Tyson drawings, I was like, yo, this is, this is like, this is what's up. This is, um, I get it. Like I, I feel that I see that like, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, but I mean, you know, I grew up in like a, um, a small village in Norfolk and I was actually, I was with like some of my mates recently. I should take a sip of water. A little seltzer water. Mm. You could hear the, <laughs> ah, pistol. Um, yeah, yeah so Norfolk, now I saw, I saw right. my mate in um, because I got this car recently, I've just been traveling around like up north, and uh, I went to see my mate Adam, who I grew up with, and we were talking about we'd recently been to the funeral of my my mate Fuller's mum, Nolene, and we, we, yeah, we all kind of saw each other, all us old mates that grew up with each other, and um. We were kind of lucky. We were saying that we were kind of lucky, actually, because we had a village. We had, like, quite a y- lot of young people in our village when we were growing up, um, all of a similar age. So we all had, like, quite a laugh, basically. Yeah. And um, and my mate was saying... and, and But there was, you know, some, like, bad stuff that happened. You know, like, people had kind of... or You know, like, like everywhere. Some people had, you know, good and bad times and yeah, with their families and all the rest of it. Shit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just... Where, but he was saying, like, how in our village we had all these, like, we had these elders. We had all these like multiple parents. He actually said multiple parents because I was with my parents as well to go and see him. And he was saying how like, yeah, we almost had this weird kind of like tribal kind of thing. So it's like a really small village, but yeah. had loads of kids. So it was always like, well, isn't there and a sport- saying like that? It's like 
it takes a village to raise a kid or something. Yeah, yeah, There's exactly. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. But it really was like that. <laughs> right. Like we were, we were super lucky for that. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that was always a thing. And so we had like they had a community center where you had to. We played pool. Pretty. We were there like every night, and we played pool probably up until we were 14 because when you're 14 you could go in the other side of the pub mm. where people were smoking and drinking yeah and you could play darts so it's like you're we, an adult so, now <laughs> so yeah. it's like probably from like 11 to 14 we we're in the pub playing pool and in the pool teams as well and like driving around to all the other villages and like you know playing pool against the other teams and then and then to a point where you could play darts on a thursday night like darts and dominoes oh wow um and then and then it shows, it's all about sports. Like it was like cricket in the summer, fo- sure. football in the winter. And was there just that one spot that you guys would hang out at? Yeah, that was, yeah. That, that was it. That's like, it. So how big is the town? It's like, like 100, 150 people. Oh, Like shit. a small village. And it's kind of on the, it's called Flitcham and it's part of where the queen goes for Christmas or where oh, the wow. king now goes for right, Christmas, right? right, right. It was like yeah. a sandering mistake. So anybody's got a blue door in our village would like work on the fruit farm for the queen. Oh shit. So is that really that kind of weird, there's that weird dynamic still mm. there in the village. Yeah. Where like, you know, it's kind of like the royalty and that like the family, that the, the manor house and then like the people in the village that kind of work for the, yeah. <laughs> work for the queen. Basically. It's almost like the economy, economy is there for service. In a yeah, way. yeah. 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 Right. And the other villages do other things like one works in the sawmill one looks after the horses one you know what i mean yeah so it's like yeah. a it's like some sort of weird um what do you call it yeah like some sort of old school fairy tale is it was <laughs> it weird to be back there or no nah, no nah, it's nice it's nice going back all like like a whole like family are basically like there like my my nan and granddad had a pub there and oh cool and like there's all bixes are buried up the church and mm. like, even my name like my sister me and my sister used to go up to the church and like it would be like check Harry out Bix, all the Sophia picks. Like we're like, oh, we're dead, you know. <laughs> um, no, you but play what am the I saying record that? backwards. I'm saying that because, like, basically, I learned a lot of like lols there, and we had like we all had little nicknames for each other, and 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 like my second cousin Albert, who runs a fruit farm, used to run the the bell, like this this community center. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we would sort of. Yeah, I think I learned a lot of my like community and lols there, basically. Yeah, was there w- with your friends growing up? Was there a sense that like was there an interest in cre- in creativity or or going on to do something kind of? Yeah, like I mean, that, that that not really. I mean, I suppose I always had that thing in me. Like I always knew that I wanted to sort of like I was always drawing a lot and making music and stuff, and I had like creative people in my family but yeah it was it was more focused like you just play football in the in the winter and you play cricket in the in the, in summer, the summer yeah you know? and, and that's 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 it basically <laughs> but know? actually I, I get the sense <laughs> but, that for you like create you know creativity is like really um and I mean this as a compliment like creativity just kind of like it's gonna come out of you no matter what like yeah. you know I, like I don't get the sense that you as a young kid was like I'm going to move to London and have a successful art career. Oh, uh, no, no. But, yeah, no. like, no, I, I mean, just the, the, wonder, the, like, yeah. how, how you guys, like, horsed around as kids. No, or, that, that's the know. thing. I think, like, yeah, like, there was lots of them. There was a lot of creativity, really. Yeah. I mean, that that trick of saying something in the right way to really get the gag. That's what I mean about the bell, like, and mm. the, the, like, 
that it's never about what you said. It's about the way that you say it and like the the like implosion of laughter that you can like who can like just make the biggest yeah, joke yeah, basically. Right. And um, and yeah, and I think I think that was a lot like a lot of creativity in that, just like in comedy in mm. laughter and uh, yeah. Um, I you know I feel actually the same way. Like there is some. I feel like I still have this like residual, like I act around adults the same way that I learned how to socialize when I was a teenager, which is about kind of like, you know, being tongue in cheek. And um, yeah, it's funny how much of that stuff kind of like sticks with you um, yeah, as you go through the world. Um, but so, so after Norfolk, then what happens with, what happens with, art school and university and yeah. was that like an immediate like you knew you wanted to go to art school or I think or just to just to stay there as well I think there was a lot like there was a lot of music being made right and, and in in Kings Lynn like thrash was really massive like people there was like thrash gigs on at the at the blue and gold club in in Kings Lynn which is like the football club which is kind of interesting this like parallel between sport and like creativity and stuff mm, and like we're yeah. trying to find like sort of loop you know like loopholes and areas to be creative within like within these kind of confined statistical environments but um but also like we made a band in the in our village as well like with two of the two of my mates like johnny and james we made this band called konami which again konami were the creators of like iss That's video game yeah thing, well, right? yeah they made like pro evo okay, so like i was yeah, we were trying right. to sort of own so in a way we were kind of like doing the thing of like owning the owning i don't know the things that are around us and then sort of repurposing them for kind of creative endeavors and stuff so but then i suppose lots of people at that time were listening to it was all kind of like pulp and oasis and blur mm-hmm. and stuff and 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 i was but i was kind of more on a like i was listening to kind of like you know like jar rule and jennifer lopez i remember going to french exchange <laughs> and i was like 14 and i just just got so into i think you know it was the same time as uh, like puberty and and uh, right. <laughs> and like and French Exchange, they all just like French Exchange and, and all that happened at the same time. And like I was really into like Ja Rule and DMX and Jennifer Lopez and Ashanti and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So I was just like I was listening to all that music and I was thinking about you know thinking about whatever. And and I think it wasn't until I got to sixth form where there's one of the guys from the Thrash band who, who was like. I suppose he was a bit more counterculture and a bit more underground. And he was just like, he said, Harry, like you don't listen to real hip hop. Basically. You just don't listen to like, you're listening to like commercial music. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah. And he, and he put me onto like, um, the far side, like okay. bizarre ride to the far side. So he's like, Harry, you got to go and buy this. And I think I went to HMV and bought that album. And then, um, yeah. And then that kind of like, that kind of switched things a bit. And then, so then I got into, when I went to, I did a, like an art foundation in Norwich and I'm, I met my friend Sam and Sam was really into sort of gangster rap. And, but Sam was also this kind of bad dude. He'd had run-ins with this like gang in Norwich. Right. There's this guy called, I don't know what's happened to him now. There's a guy called Sonny and he was a leader of the ATL, which in Norwich was like above the law. was like the, the gang. <laughs> That's what they the, were called. The ATL. And Sam, I'd met Sam at art school and Sam, was introduced me to a lot of music and I kind of like, I don't know, Sam was, Sam was selling a lot of weed basically yeah. and, we were, and we were smoking a lot of weed <laughs> and, 
and I brought the apples from the fruit farm. So I wasn't really like, I was never like really was into... Was that your barter like, system? Well, yeah, well, I just, I just, we were just friends, so it was around, and so I would, I, I've never really been like into it that much then, and like when you're young, and then, and then it's after, like when it's and then, around, you're know like, I, mean? I think I got to do this. But my yeah. role was just, I just brought all these like sweet, delicious apples, yeah, from the. So, so we, would, so we would smoke, things? and then no, no, I didn't even make <laughs> okay. it. We just ate it. We didn't even disrespect the apple yeah, in that way. Right. We just ate. Like <laughs> I'd bring a bag of apples and smoke. But anyway, Sam had written like this guy Sunny on his. Uh, um, punch bag oh yeah yeah punching bag yeah 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 yeah. he had like because sam was doing boxing and stuff but damn so so he was really trying to start like some beef is what you're saying well i think i think maybe sunny had brought the beef and sam would wanted revenge or something i don't know if it ever came really but like but that it was kind of like whoa yeah i'd moved to norwich to do my art foundation and i was sort of entering into like street real street life you know (laughs) like (laughs) where like the first week i'd seen this guy this this atl people and like yeah, yeah. It's funny how I feel like there's certain branches of American hip hop that have to do with kind of like gang culture or, you know, turf wars and stuff like that. How that kind of like seeps into um, kind of like, you know, kids around the world who like, who for whatever reason it resonates with them yeah. a little bit, even if it's like a completely, you know, like thinking. You know, rappers in Baltimore are uh, resonating with kids in Norwich. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. really interesting. <laughs> and, you know, I actually think back to that time, because we're sort of a similar age, um, thinking like like DMX, for example. Like, I, I actually listen to a ton of DMX now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Just like <laughs> with the barking. And it's just, it's so hardcore and it's so... Um, you know, it's almost, it almost tickles the same urge as like when you want to listen to like hardcore punk or something. No, like I definitely, I definitely have that same yeah. feeling. Like if I listen to metal, if I listen to like the Deftones, I have the same feeling if I listen to like, yeah, say DMX or yeah. I listen to like Liquid Swords or something. Like yeah. it was, it was, it gives you that, it resonates in a kind of fuck like angry kind yeah of like, exactly yeah and yeah, i yeah. think whatever that was and i always yeah I say that about hip-hop that it was like it, it was that kind of it was a punk thing you know like i mean it was people assuming all these different identities and saying how great they are and like right, right. and kind of uh feeling angry about the world and i don't know whatever anger i felt it seemed to kind of i mean obviously like i don't it was never the same plight or whatever. It's sure. just a different one. Well, yeah, uh, but, I think you know, just yeah. teenage years come with angst. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think the first thing I listened to, like, I remember watching like Wild Style and and all that kind of that lovely kind of. Um, I mean, this lovely moment in hip hop where people were like, I mean, which I kind of learned about later, where kind of, you know, people were kind of just making something out of nothing really mm. like the kind of like this this time in new york and and basketball courts were becoming um stages for dance venues i mean it's kind of it's interesting this parallel I keep coming back to about yeah, the yeah. sports and the music thing and you know literally like they would take they would make taking spaces and making them into like dance venues and making them into like um and you know taking their yeah, like taking, real public spaces yeah, right? yeah yeah and taking their parents records yeah. and seeing you know mm. what happens if you 
keep repeating yeah. like James Brown's like, right. like thing and you know and there's those really nice videos of like Grandmaster Flash on, on Wildstar which I think yeah, I saw amazing. Wildstar later where you know and I think when I saw you the other week we were talking about that like and I, I think it's something I, I really carry with me in my artwork as well is this idea in hip hop that there's these kind of five elements you know mm-hmm. and you're kind of this multifaceted artist um, you you do you do dancing, you do uh, rapping, you do DJing, you do drawing, you know. And uh, is there another one? What's the other one? Is it the five elements? I don't know. But but there's a, but, but like, I like the idea that that art is a part of life, and I think that really comes across in that kind of in that that kind of like early um, composition of hip hop in New York at yeah. that time, you know, and like. So, 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 so it, it means that art isn't this kind of thing that just happens like that you, you make it and there it is. It's more about you live your life and kind of these, these things crop up and it's about the way that you move your body. It's about the way that right. you speak. It's about the things that you say. And I think, yeah, it was just unfortunate at the time I started list, listening that my generation of hip hop just became so, it got, got so angry and got so commercial. I, I mean, well, I that, think, that, that's something else. To, maybe I don't know enough about it. Well, I think maybe what your friend is talking about in a way is true because it's like, yeah, the, the, the easily accessible stuff is the kind of more shocking uh, or like the, the shocking or harder stuff. But it's like what people, you know, still are a little bit um, in the dark about is actually like, the amazing kind of like like hip hop in the late seventies and eighties was like basically like a cultural revolution in mm, certain parts mm. of New York and you know Chicago, Detroit, and like um, and like you're like you're saying there there's like it's not just rapping, it's not just producing records, but it's this whole kind of like community activity right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so you know we were saying like now there's too many rappers in the game not enough mcs oh yeah yeah you said that (laughs) beastie boys and nas yeah yeah. um but i think i think that's kind of going back to the whole like hip you know hip-hop culture and those ethics which i think a lot of people also refer to as like punk ethics Mm. um uh, you know, like we long for them, especially in like creative industries now, because I think everything's so professionalized. Um, you know, there's such a pressure to kind of like make an object. Yeah. yeah. Make an object, yeah. make a ton of money, kind of conform to where it's sort of like, you know, those those old hip hop um, ethics. Like I mentioned the Times Square show um, last time, which was like uh organized by Beth B and it was like hip hop people from the Bronx and punk people from Lower East Side coming Mm, together to do mm. this amazing show. It's sort of like, we need more people to, to, you know, to be those organizers, to be those MCs, Mm. you know, and play that role. Um, And I know that you do a lot of stuff when it comes to kind of like community activity Mm. um, in your work. I mean, I mean, I don't think you really consider yourself like a curator necessarily, but I would. I think you fit the mold for MC. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was I was MCing just now at this this um, this like uh, small festival that my friend put on. Um, 
but yeah, like at, I mean, as an actual thing, but like because right. actually it's really nice. You just go, you just go in there, and I'm looking at people around and saying, "Oh, like who's who's like who might benefit from me shouting them out sure. and seeing yeah, if, yeah, and yeah. if they can and involving people." And it's just about feeling the crowd. It's about and, feeling the crowd, yeah. feeling the music, knowing when the DJ's like absolutely killing it and like just jumping around and then and then being aware. So it's about this kind of it's about it's a kind of multifaceted. A job as well where you're kind of like and you're also like a maintenance person as well it's not like you're the star you're not the object mm-hmm. of the show you're yep. like this kind of you're a maintenance worker you're trying to like maintain the evening maintain the night and um yeah like I've always like I've always sort of done things like that which I think relates to my like landscape architecture sort of training really in a way but which I can talk about more but, yeah but they um but yeah even like I remember like I I think after after doing my masters and stuff, I was we I was asked to do a like do a reading, like a do a reading of your work kind of thing, you know, <laughs> do like you know read some words, like write some words down and read them out kind of thing. And I thought, oh, I just don't want to do that, you know. I don't want to kind of. I just didn't want to be like the center of attention or the center of like. I don't know. And I think this was maybe like 2016, 17 or something. And it was like a lot of people doing these kind of readings and it just, I just would get bored, you know, <laughs> like, or so, so I don't know. I, I just said, Oh, actually, do you know what? I would like, I'd really like to contribute, but I don't want to do a reading thing. And I said, Oh, maybe I can do a house band. Mm. So it was like, again, like a similar idea. Like it wasn't like we were going to be a band that performed, but we were like, it's actually clever. You did this kind of continuous performance all night. And you're yeah. kind of in between all the acts and you perform more than everyone else, actually. You contribute to the yeah. vibe as opposed to, yeah, the the performer in a lot of ways kind of like feeds off the vibe. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But yeah. when you're contributing to it, that's a different yeah. scenario. And I think a good MC needs to be able to do that, right? Yeah, exactly. They need to be able to generate that thing mm-hmm. that then allows the performer to feed off the crowd or for yeah, the crowd for sure. to enjoy the performer, right? I did a, I did um, a similar thing. I see that you're like that as well. Like yeah. even doing this is kind of like, it's a, it's a maintenance work for, for art in a way, you know, it's right. like just checking him, seeing what's going on. Yeah, is everybody know? okay? Everyone cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, everybody yeah. Chill. You're all right. You're all right. <laughs> you're all right, mate. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, the, I, I spoke to my friend, uh, Tamara Admoni last week and we were talking about this idea that it's kind of a hot topic I think especially with people who have just graduated like curatorial degrees right and I'm sort of on the fence about this term and in all fairness I I need to do the reading yeah um but this term slow curating Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's come up at all but essentially what it means is like as a curator you're putting together um, you're putting together some like processes and structures by which you can continue to work with artists uh, over a long period of time through multiple mm. projects and things like this. And I was like, we need a term for that. Mm. I thought that's kind of like what you do, right? Like, I feel like at least in my experience, you know, with publishing, it's always been about building a platform for other folks, uh, even, you know, with, with curating as kind of like caretaker, it's always been sort of like mm. about working with artists to develop something, right? But even that thing like working with artists, I think that's the thing that kind of, it separates 
you as a kind of artistic practitioner from them and it kind of puts I think it creates a weird kind of like the curator artist dynamic creates a kind of weird it is weird a weird thing you know the curator is yeah. like usually sort of like slightly more tastefully dressed and uh and and is has a bit more of like better email um, right. dialogue. <laughs> like, basically, there's yeah. like, but, they but, I, did, but, I, but I think I think it's um it's kind of like I suppose it's like curators are kind of um I suppose curation. I sort of makes me think of like well-intended people who want who really want to support the arts in the best way possible. But my experience a lot of the time is is that they're kind of separating themselves from entering into the practice and I think yeah. those practices where those artists have been whatever you want to call it maintenance people or or um slow curators or what I mean I, we should mention like um like this is a good time to mention like Merle Latterman Ukeles who was the, the person that made the term maintenance art okay and I think she was kind of um, she was like about in the seventies, and she kind of uh, she kind of like had a baby, and then couldn't be an artist anymore. Like in the right. in the in the in the in the world view, or like in and her very... in, in, in just the fact that about her time, you know. And she kind of said, um, she sort of said, oh, you know, or she sort of re-centered the position of art for her as not the art like the sculpture in the gallery made by the man. Uh, but maybe the woman that ironed the shirt of the man that made the sculpture right. is where the art is, you know? Sure. So she would do these things like, you know, she'd like clean the gallery, um, like really like properly clean the gallery as a kind of, as an act of art. And she'd just like take pictures of herself getting her kid ready for school and then put that as part of her work in the gallery. Mm, yeah. And she went and met all of like the bin men in New York and stuff like that. Right. right so I right. think like, it, that 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 and when I f- I think it was my old my old tutor who met who mentioned her work to me like when I was studying landscape um, or when I was teaching landscape actually he mentioned it to me like um, and yeah it kind of it really hit hard with me this this kind of this this figure I was like oh wow like you can be a kind of you can be a kind of um, someone that kind of maintains a world you know right or like I know and she, that can be your practice and I think maybe Jeremy Della was doing a bit like that mm. and I learned a lot about like Guy Debord and the Situationists they were kind of and, and this thing in hip-hop as well like these these kind of multifaceted individuals you know right that, right so. but I think it's also that it's sort of like just recognizing everyone who's a part of something you know um I know you know through through work, like just coming in contact with younger curators working in institutions, like sometimes there is, you know, there are issues with, um, you know, curators want to, um, you know, or take inspiration for this kind of maintenance art and want to list all the installers and everyone in institutions actually, you know, have guidelines against that. You know, against um, what? Sorry, against against like it, let's say you you know uh, like naming credits. Uh, oh, like comes. a sort of yeah, like a shout out. List. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for I an think, exhibition. Or something, I think yeah. a lot of curators now and artists. Um, actually, when I was at uh, Camden Art Center, um, th- we worked with two artists, uh, Danny and Sheila Restack, and they're okay. both based in the U.S. I think in Ohio, maybe Cleveland. But they listed every single installer in the special thanks section, which, you know, I think is kind of 
was great. And it's also sort of like, you know, this is almost a given that like we should be acting this way. Yeah. But there are, you know, there are, there's protocol and there's guidelines within a lot of institutions that, um, you know, keep people from doing things like that. Mm. Right. Because I think there's still this idea of the curator being the superstar, you know, which hasn't always actually been the case because I think, I think before the kind of emergence of the superstar curator, like people like Hans Ulrich and people like Germano Celan, there were kind of like, the curator was kind of like a, like a, you know, you're relegated to the reading room and you're doing the research and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not really this public facing superstar. And now I think there is like a who curated it that really matters. Um, Mm -hmm. There's kind of branding associated with that. Um, not to get onto a whole like negative thing about institutions. No, because no, and, and it, it's a bit yeah, like it's a broad brush to say that yeah, curation is this or that. But right. like yeah, but um, no, but I, I I was thinking like how did sorry did you finish what you're gonna say? Yeah, kind yeah, of I yeah. Mean, no, I don't I, even know I, what I, I'm I hear, saying. No, I hear yeah, what you're right. saying. I hear what you're saying. Like I, I I hear it, and I think it's what when you said special thanks section. I think for me is it like how can the special thanks section become the artwork? Uh-huh. Do you know right, what I mean? Like right. I think that's that's what it is for me. Like which is like. Like, like how not the exhibition but the special thanks section or like it's actually quite a nice name for a work the special or you know like how what in Kanye's first album like the the shout I mean the, it happens a lot like how the shout out becomes the what do you call that like the the, the credit track right what is right. that it's got a name isn't it you kind of give a credit like, track yeah do you know like so, yeah. like he has a the last track of um What's the what's Kanye's first album called? I can't remember. Oh, is that the one the late registration? No. Just to get by. That uh, yeah, yeah, time. yeah. Um, like he, yeah, he talks about how he went to IKEA and put the bed together himself and stuff like that. It's like, right? but like I think, uh, and there's lots of there's lots college of it, dropout. Is college dropout, dropout, of course. Yeah, sorry, yeah, what am I talking right. about? It's like such an amazing album. But <laughs> like, but the, but you know, there's kind of like. Um, you know that there's a lot. The kind of shout out track and the is is kind of uh, it becomes its a whole track and it's usually like really long. You know, and I quite yeah. I quite like that how that that kind of that culture enters into but into uh, album album culture. Yeah. Really cool, yeah, but getting back to Merle Ukeles. Yeah, because um, I know okay, let's talk- start, let's start Kanye for a bit. Mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get back uh, to Merle. Cancelled. Because I know you brought up Merle before. And, you know, it's actually an artist I want to do some more research on. Um, and I know the Sanitation Department of New York currently has a, a residency program. Um, and I'm hoping to get on their current resident, um, Stowe, uh, who's an amazing artist, uh, Stowe Len. Um, but, you know, so Merle has been really influential in your work. And last time we were talking... Did did she come up because we were talking about a dissertation or any any work you did in like at the Slade or no? I think it, just... she just came up because it's kind of relevant. It's relevant to the way that I work. And when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is kind of similar in a way. And I think a lot of that thinking kind of comes up from um, you know. So I. I studied landscape architecture. So yes, I went to, well, I want to talk so, about that so at some Sa- point. After I was with Sam, <laughs> after I was with Sam, you know, and uh, in on my foundation. Mm-hmm. So just with Sam, I just remember my mate Sam. Anyway, I was on foundation. I then went back at work for my dad for a bit 
because I hadn't really applied myself very well. And then, and then I went and studied landscape architecture. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what is there to say about that time? We had like a really amazing tutor called Pat Brown, and she like, um, where are you going? I'm He's just, going somewhere. I'm just fixing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do I keep? The, the table's moving around just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to... All right, sorry. Yeah, okay, that's we, fixed we, up. We could, we could do some post. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's all good. I quite like that. Keep it in. It's the, yeah, that's it the maintenance in. of the occasion. That, that's the thing to keep in. Yeah, okay. So that's I'm, you adjusting the table. I'm so my own speak. maintenance worker. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's you doing it. Yeah. That's literally it. Um, but yeah, landscape, whatever. What I'm going to say... I mean, I suppose, yeah, I did a landscape degree and then I went and worked for like a landscape architecture practice for like five years yeah and what uh, was that like it was great in in the beginning it was amazing it was like it was beautiful because we were you know in landscape you were given these huge um vast kind of uh like, like i think the first project to work on was like lake balaton in hungary like okay cool the whole lake <laughs> well actually it was just one end of the lake and we were designing kind of uh what we were designing we we're designing a park that for that kind of was situated around this kind of uh and like kind of some kind of resort um uh, accommodation and um it was yeah it's kind of a beautiful thing um so yeah because i suppose with landscapes so, so yeah yeah so i worked there i was there for like f- i was there for like five or six years doing that and then i was like right i need to go to art school and then I think my first, I was trying to make work so I could get a get a um, portfolio together. And one work that I did was I had all these Newcastle football shirts when I was a kid because I used to kind of, I got like family up in Newcastle. I got like uh, like Arab Geordie family up in Newcastle. Yeah. And I, so I was sort of semi-aware of this, but Newcastle also doing pretty well when I was younger at the time. Mm. So I sort of so thought that was I'll, I'll become a Newcastle fan. <laughs> but really I should be a Norwich fan, which I am. Okay, yeah. but, but I had all these shirts and I thought, I oh, will go and return these shirts in Newcastle. Because I was like, how do you re- repent from glory hunting? So I, so I went, I got I got this bus and uh, with my mates, Ruth and Orlando, shout out Ruth and Orlando. And um, I went to get, get this coach and I just went to all these kids in Newcastle and gave them all these shirts yeah. as a kind of, as, as some sort of uh, gesture of repent, but like, which is actually interesting because, and I was, I was, I was saying to my mum that I was doing this, this, this like thing with you. And uh, she said, Oh, that was, you know, that was a, that was an important project, especially for what you're doing now. And so, was that your first like socially engaged project, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and you know, Jeremy Della was massive at that point. I had that folk archive book and what he was doing was interesting, like making exhibitions in his mum and dad's house and stuff like right, that. Right, right. And I just thought, wow, this is cool. Like it's not, it doesn't belong hmm. to a room. Sure. It's belonging to like this whole environment, a bit mm. like Mikelez, you know. And so, and that was, I suppose, yeah. So, so yeah, that was kind of important. And then, I, feel, I suppose with that work, I then got a scholarship to be able to go to Slade and do my masters. Amazing, yeah. And then and I, and there I met Klaus Hook, who since died was my tutor. He's like an incredible tutor, like a, a a Dutch printmaker who would always offer the opposite opinion. You know, like you say something, he'd offer the opposite. You know, like really, yeah. like really, just always provocatively like poking in the in an interesting direction. And um, it, yeah, there he sort of said. He said to me, oh, maybe I was a situational interactivist, mm-hmm. which I quite liked, I quite liked that idea. <laughs> but I suppose when I was there, I was, you know, I got to art school and I was like, bloody hell, like, 
you know, I better make some art, you know, I better like do some painting and drawing and sculpture and stuff. So I started doing all that stuff. And then at the same time, I was like, I was making all the parties and, uh, and the parties became like East Anglia records. Mm. It was because there was two other guys that were also from East Anglia there. So it was like, I th- sort of thought, oh, maybe this is kind of interesting. We're all kind of come from this part of the world and I don't know, we're all here. And I think Fred was putting on Limes's show. And then I thought, and then I thought well, we should continue to do that. Like just to continue to make a social occasion, like within the art school. Cause there wasn't really a good bar there. And I thought I can be the bar and I can, right. I, I can bring all the people together and like do an interesting thing. And I wasn't really thinking about it as kind of any sort of art practice, I suppose. I just thought that it'd be a cool thing to do. And then, and then later I realised, oh, this is definitely like the thing, you know. Sure, and, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Um, I had a similar thing, you know, when, yeah, being in art school for my undergrad and and putting on these, these like noise shows and experimental performances, even though I was in printmaking, I still felt like I had the, like my thesis turn, was just like basically prints on a wall. Yeah. And where I actually felt like, and it was like semi-interesting work, but I actually feel like the more interesting work was the was this other stuff that I just had, uh, I wasn't confident enough to stand by. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's, it's a confidence thing too, and it's being, and, and then it's also sort of like a, I think for what it's worth, you, like we have this, we have this, uh, connection to material. What do you mean, like confidence in the work that you're making? Yeah, you had low think... confidence, and you thought, oh, actually. But maybe you had a lot of confidence in the uh, the other stuff that you had yeah. the confidence in, like the in the I don't know in the print connecting to people, or like you know, or oh, I don't know yeah. what you were doing. Oh, yeah, I don't for know, sure. Like, I don't know yeah. if you were doing a similar thing, like where. Uh, yeah, I mean, I what think was it... happening in the park? You know what I mean? Like when I was teaching like landscape, it was all, I was always saying to them, you know, you've got to create, try and see if you can kind of create an environment with the people that you're in. Like try and like, how can this be like a kind of rich scene that you can kind of, you know, that you can kind of like uh, imagine people yeah. in or something, or just take things from you know, like you've got you've been given this space, you've paid all this money to be here, like in a degree in England. You mm-hmm. know, it's like how can you kind of use these spaces which are around the building? to host you know little occasions yeah and how yeah. do you practice landscape all of the time and not just in your portfolio yeah, or on the screen like how yeah. do you how, how how which is you know goes back to this whole like five elements thing and this mm-hmm. multifaceted individual like how how is it just this kind of ongoing thing that's kind of part of your experience somehow mm-hmm. yeah yeah um yeah yeah so at the slate i was di- so i was doing things like that and then i was i was like i held an exhibition in a nissan micro and invited people to kind of respond to different parts of the car, like this artist, Christine Brachet. I remember I gave her the <laughs> ignition. She's a sick artist, man. Like she, I gave her the ignition. She she put um, she made a mother of pearl key hanging from oh, the. Oh wow! And it said uh, it said nothing but violence on the on Whoa. this mother of pearl key. She's really cool, and, and she made a great work. And then and and yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, my friend at the time, Limes, was he, he made a. I gave him the back seat, and he he made this love letter in the back seat. Mm. But all, all the things in the car were still. It was like my friend's car, and we kept her stuff in the car, and we wanted people to respond to, not just like an empty car, but this particular car with this environment. I think she had some like, 
maybe she had some like lem sip in there. So like he incorporated like the lem sip and the nice. anodin yeah. to this love letter. So it was like this, it was like, and hula hoops and things like that. Do you know what I mean, it was all incorporated in the back seat. So you could look at this car as an exhibition, but like you wouldn't know it was an exhibition. It just looks like it, yeah. it, it was, it kind of like fitted into life. It was like, it wasn't like, I think someone made a show in a car afterwards and it was really like, you know, some kind of, I don't know, sculptures like, clay in the car but this was really like I, I really got got some great artists at that time to to respond to to particular environments and some of it like worked really well and it yeah. kind of slid into life it slid in and out of the back seat it slid in out of the ignition ignition you know it was like and do you feel like your background as a let's say landscape architect where you're dealing with something that is like constantly being interacted with by people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to the point where it's sort of seamless, like, I don't know how many people are, are looking at, you know, public spaces thinking about who designed it, mm -hmm. you know, like maybe like people who are interested in this kind of stuff obviously do. Um, how, because when you're at Slade, you're kind of like working in more of a sculptural context. Right or like, but well, yeah, yeah I was in like the like media discipline, so it was like, yeah, yeah, there was sort of like media painting as well. But I, I hear what you're saying, and uh, yeah, so I mean, the landscape thing. I think it wasn't until I was teaching landscape at Greenwich, and I met my friend Sean Murray, and who's a he's a kind of he's a bit of a legend in this speculative architectural drawing world. He's mm. kind of like the, the same time as. Um, What's that guy called? I've forgotten all their names now, but like they're like architectural drawers. But but Sean Sean said to me this quote by somebody else, which is like about how the landscape is like a dance of moving parts, and you know like the trees are growing, the sun is moving, the moon is moving, the rivers are flowing, yeah, people great. are all moving around, and it's sort of like this dance. So it's like things are just like all happening at the time so like the landscape is never this kind of fixed environment it's mm. always like continually like changing and moving and a yeah. tree never looks the same like every day every hour it changes you know mm -hmm. and so like really good landscape architects are really aware of that kind of dance and they just find the right time to jump in this is what my friend sean says like they just find that time to just jump in and like slide into it and just you know it's like and and i think and i think that's what yeah, me making those parties or making the East Angular Records thing was like me observing the context, which was like, we're people at an art school. We don't really have a bar or a social occasion. We have access to all this sound equipment. Mm. Um, I can make a poster. I can make a wall. I can even change the whole space by just making a wall. I can, you know, organise the DJ and I can go to Sainsbury's and get a load of beers. I can get ice, you know. Sure. I had the scholarship money as well. So, like, I was balling. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I was, spent it so, all at Sainsbury's. I spent yeah. it all at Sainsbury's, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, it was me acting on a, on a dance, really. And, like, actually, how can... And there's a lot of really good things that came out of that, which were, like... Because the, the, the BA students would then come in and, that, like, BA and MA wouldn't really mix before. Like, hmm. BA were like BA at Slade's, like, a fashion show. It's amazing. Like, really... These, right. like, these really cool kids from, like, Camden School for Girls. Yeah, and, I felt like, the same way about goldsmiths, too. The yeah. undergrads, I'm like, people still dress that way? Yeah. They, you know, like, kids looking like no, Susie they, Sue or but something. But, like, yeah. they had that kind of freedom. I think there's lots of kids from London that had that kind of freedom of expression. And it was really mm. interesting for me to see, like, kind of more interesting to see them more than it was to see 
like MA people really because you know people like Slossy like Daniel Burley who he's since gone to the RA and he's kind of got shows and stuff like Slossy was you know he was wearing just like floral dresses with tracky bottoms and he was you know 18 and I was just thinking wow like <laughs> I didn't know you could do that at that right, do you know what right. I mean like I, there was that there was a kind of slightly Norfolk uh sports world um constraint that's still there mm. that, I, that that felt that I couldn't quite that I like you know I couldn't just kind of be this like full expression or whatever where like the, that's what's great about London or maybe growing up in London it's like these kids have have like a kind of a sort a sort of um, creative freedom or something. Yeah. So I'll, it's I'll, generational I'll, too, I think. Yeah, yeah right. you know, yeah. because I think, you know... I think, oh yeah, I'm obviously I was older than as well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, kid, like, yeah, younger people, you know, doing their undergrad these days, I think, are just coming up in a different context. Uh, like, when we were teenagers and stuff, there was, you know, there was still, like, you know, gender bending, you know, like... Mm. You know, I, I remember the couple of times I came to like middle school wearing yeah. a skirt, you know, and like everyone that, was yeah. just like it, like people's head exploded. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. and and I grew up in a fairly like liberal uh, outer suburb of New York City, so I actually think it's like it, you know, it, to me when I see uh, undergraduate kids who are expressing themselves through, you know, what they're wearing in that way, I'm also like, you know. It's a. It makes me feel like times moved on. Um, we yeah, progressed yeah, a bit, yeah. you know. It's kind of a good yeah, sign definitely. that way. No, it was. Yeah, it, yeah it's really good. Yeah. yeah, and I think there was. I would. I'd also sort of. I. I suppose I'd. I'd followed this landscape architecture route because I felt as though I had to kind of like not be it. Like I wasn't. I'm not allowed to be an artist in a way because. Uh, I don't know this formal understanding um of the world or like it's not going to make you any money not right. like coming from somewhere else like not from me like coming from somewhere else sure and i think when i got there and i and i sort of like um i met uliana there as well who was like my girlfriend at the time and she was from a big city like she was from vilnius in lithuania mm. and so she was also from a big city and she kind of sort of i don't know there was that kind of freedom in her that i really recognized and really Same, loved and yeah. it was like and i think that 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 time was really rich for me because I was sort of meeting people that were kind of you know I was sort of getting closer to the to more of who I am myself. Yeah, you that's know, great. Which was so nice. Wait, is this the is this the <laughs> one that you drew in ketchup at the? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that was a collaborative work with her. Um, that you know, it was it was both our ideas, and uh, yeah, that's a that, that's a work that I look back and think that was a that was a great work. Basically, I mean, like, speak about landscape uh, and yeah, yeah, blending in seamlessly. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, should I explain it a bit? I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just um, yeah, I suppose I, I just well, I just drew nudes of her in sweet and sour sauce in the McDonald's table in Haringey, <laughs> um, and. Uh, I suppose right I think I was going I was going to draw something yeah right onto yeah. the table and it was you know it was actually you know this dance of moving parts it was the dance of all these moving parts in this mm. moment you know yeah. it was like uh we're in love uh we live in Haringey <laughs> near this massive McDonald's <laughs> yeah. which is on the way to art school mm. um 
you, you do you know what I mean? It was like it was like it was a little diagram of that moment. Yeah. And it was and it was kind of weird as well. You know, it's kind of like a stri- quite a strange thing to do and and it's sort of it point it's like you know, like like I don't know, like love in strange environments or I don't I don't really know. Like yeah. but but yeah, I think I think I don't know what I was gonna I think she she suggested that I drew drew like I don't know. I can't remember how it actually came about. But like it was, it was the both of us basically, yeah. and and then we just took these pictures of it, and then that that yeah, that picture then became like a work that I then showed in a in a gallery or something. But um, but yeah, you know, that was a really rich time me being there. Actually, I think it's um, it kind of gets back to this like reclaiming space thing that we were talking about. Um, before and I just want to make sure I'm getting the name right here but I think uh you know we've obviously talked about um like art happening in fast food places before um someone may have a party in Ikea soon oh yeah yeah um, yeah yeah we were talking we, well, I went with Hannah and Justin to Ikea we were talking about your Ikea party yeah 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 <laughs> But there was a book. And Michael Ayling's Burger King. Is it Michael Ayling? Like the New York club kids. He, he used to have, Sean told me about it, but oh, he, yeah. he had parties in Burger King. Like after. And um, <laughs> Jason Poland used to have uh, drawing sessions in Taco Bell. And oh, yeah. Yeah, he used yeah, to tell yeah, me that yeah, one, yeah. Which were amazing. And um, and then there was a artist that we worked with a long time ago um, with... Um, uh, endless editions who made this amazing book and I, I I can't remember his name it's like one of the the first things we published but anyway it had to do with McDon like the McDonald's office so it was mm-hmm. about like freelance workers where like McDonald's always has like fairly good lighting it always has Wi-Fi it's pretty cheap yeah and kind of like using mm-hmm. McDonald's in this in this like interesting way that I think kind of like broke down some of the like associations. Mm. Um, but, but again, it's like, it's like these private spaces that are c- consistently being used by the public. So it's kind of like, it's interesting in, in, a world of no community centers or like, right. you know, we yeah. had the bell growing up, you know, right. and like, and, and you know that you have these things like you have Royal Festival Hall and like places in London where you, in the Barbican you have all this, but yeah, like, but th- around the country, I mean, even foundations are closing down now sure, or, and, yeah. and community centres, I don't know how popular, like we have other things like now, right, that I don't know, they kind of get in the way, but that sort of sense of community isn't there. But yeah, you're right, like, I mean, even novelist, the Grime MC novelist who I absolutely adore, like, you know, he he, he has the Lewisham MacDee song. Oh, cool. Wanna <laughs> warn me Lewisham MacDee's. Like, and, it's, amazing, and, but, yeah. and then they make the video there as well. And he's actually an amazing person for like the, all this stuff as well, like maintenance art, um, situational interactivism, all this stuff yeah. we're talking about, which I love, by the way, it's all coming out. This is like, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. And um, he recently, um, I mean, he was someone that like, he like, um, he kind of, he, I think he was nominated for the Mercury Award the same time as like Skepta and Stormzy, ah, you know, and, and 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 Stormzy kind of you know has taken this sort of I suppose quite a commercial route, and Skepta's you know on the on his own thing or did the kind of Shoreditch thing, but like but but novelist is this person that just sort of stayed really close to his home, like he's he lives in Ladywell, 
and he does all of his all of his stuff that he does kind of happens in and around Ladywell and the promotion of his work and the, even the selling of his work it kind of it happens in car parks I think he did it in a car park in Peckham but, but recently he, so he, he he made a mixtape and he just said right I'm gonna I'm making a load of USB sticks and I'm gonna oh, be performing so in this yeah. very tiny park in Ladywell right like, just round the corner from his house oh shit and then and then and it's like you know, and he just he's just there doing it. So, so the track is called Lewisham McDees, right? Oh, Lewisham McDees. Yeah, that's when yeah. he was like a bit younger, and he was part of the the square. Like okay, it was cool. like a, um, I think Elf Kid and people like that. It's um, in, yeah, it's, it's funny that it's in Lewisham because I always thought of grime. I mean, I guess yeah, grime is kind of like doesn't really have a geographic. Um, Oh, it does. But yeah, it's kind of... (laughs) It's here. It's like... Yeah, it's like right around here. Um, Because I know it was like the Bethnal Green tube station right Mm. next door. There was like a big record shop. And um, I always think about it as kind of like Stratford, Hackney Wick kind of thing. But Lewisham... Yeah, I don't know. Um, Well, I think he's younger. And so like... New generation. I I suppose Wiley and Dizzy Rascal were from Bo, like Bowie Free. It's like there's, you know, and... and, uh, and then the people that came after him, like JME and Prez T and Big H and um, Skepta and stuff, were all from from North. So they were all from like the Meridian Estate. Oh, and okay. The, like, and then it kind of, and then, but but I think maybe novelist is from. Um, is he a South like, dude? No, but I mean he's he's like he's probably like twenty six right now. Oh, I don't okay. know. So yeah, he's like yeah. he's from a, a younger generation, but he's kind of he's definitely like in the hall of fame amongst yeah. D Double and all this. You know? <laughs> but then D Double and Footsie were from are from Newham, like the Newham Generals. But it's actually quite nice about the you know, and I suppose it happens in in that New York hip hop as well with like KRS One saying he's from the South Bronx and right, right, that mm-hmm. kind of that that geography which kind of points to landscape as well or the, or being this kind of this kind of about multifaceted person that's kind of sure is kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. out and about and around you know they're not Even just they're not they're not just like this kind of this um person that's like just this kind of pop star that exists in the right ethereal right. mire they're like really kind of on the ground you know yeah and like well, because like um, Nas has some things that are like very like linguistic, linguistically is very Queens, mm. you know. Um, Wu Tang also has stuff that's very linguistically Staten Island, you mm. know. And I kind of, as someone who's kind of into how language works like that too, like slang and mm. and um, I mean England's amazing for the, at least for me, like the the kind of like regionalisms yeah, and, yeah. and slang i i've been like it really tickles my funny bone like wherever <laughs> it is so like yeah, yeah. i i actually that's one of the things i've liked the most about england yeah, you know yeah. even just you said something recently about um or just like as we were talking you said like a word that was just like really funny and i it's like what was it <laughs> i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> what from but, where from norfolk maybe I think it was a Norfolk thing. I mean, like, in Norfolk, we speak like that. I wrote, what are you fucking say, boy? You're, right? are you going out tonight? Like, I should, like, 
don't, I don't know why I fucking I don't know why I've lost it basically. But yeah, I think like, you should just walk around like that. Like if I go back home and see at cousin, like second cousin Albert and have some apple juice, I'm like, all right, boy, what are you say, <laughs> boy? Some apple right. juice. <laughs> like I just fucking love it. But and if I see my mate Sam as well, like we're the same. Like I just I just kind of go back. I don't know. It's like it's um, maybe this is thing. I don't know why I've sort of. I, I suppose I've been here in London for 15 years, so. I don't know, people always think that I sound like I'm a London person, but I don't know, it's probably just slightly affected, but mm. not like consciously, it just mm. kind of happens. And I yeah. wish I wish I was just fucking doing my Norfolk thing, the whole, like, just <laughs> swear a whole fucking lot more. And I'm I'd just, be down. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm, sure, just, my, I'm <laughs> sure my accents maybe changed too, even from being here. Like, I mean, I don't think I would ever go full English accent. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, a couple of years living in London, you're going to, start to sound a little different yeah you say mate all the time i say i say matey every other word but um well okay so one of the things i also wanted to make sure we touched on was again this kind of like you're working on east anglia records now Mm, which is kind of like again like almost slow curating adjacent platform but it's literally named after you know the region you're from Mm. um which relates to what we're just saying in a way, like that kind of... Yeah. 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 You know, are you working... So, like, what is East Anglia Records? Are you working with artists who, like, are also of that background, or...? It's just kind of the name that stuck, and I've... I've because it was more... It was from that thing of, like, working with Fred, and, mm. like, Fred, who was from... Um, so that's just the initially how it started. Like, I come up with the name because it was... I think it was also, like, this idea of maintenance, again, that you come, like, like, you know... Like in in East Anglia, you would have like East Anglia water or East Anglia electric electricity. Right, right, so I was right. like, I, I like the idea. It's like that a they, service. I like the idea yeah. there could be a record label, and mm. I suppose maybe at that time I was thinking like, oh, that maybe it, like it just is a it's a it's a kind of um, I suppose yeah I don't know what I think like it is it's a what do you call it like a. A paradox, like the idea yeah, of East right. Anglia having like records, but th- that's actually bullshit in a way because there's a lot of, well, I say there's a lot of great music, <laughs> but is there? I don't know. Um, but then it, I suppose it became a label because I was releasing music as in compilation albums. Mm. So we had like three or four compilation albums that we would make nights for and like perform in galleries. And um, I suppose they were mainly people that I was meeting around, like that were just in my life and were making music. And um, so we kind of released, so it got, always got released under that pseudonym. Yeah. Um, this is like probably 2015 or something like that, 2016, 2017. And then, um, yeah. And then I started, yeah, I suppose then I started to make music. Well, I was always making music, but then I was just sort of appearing on these compilation albums where I was like performing, like, um, or introducing nights. Um and then, yeah, so it's just be kind of become this thing that's just sort of stuck. And now I kind of see it more as like the recordings of an East Anglian person. I don't right, know. Right, right. Yeah, I don't really know what yeah. it really means to be an East Anglian person. And I think that's okay. I, yeah. I just know that, you know, recently I spoke to Ben Golder mm. and he was really talking about um, his early kind of getting into publishing, having to do with feeling like feeling the the northern identity when coming to London. Yeah. Right and feeling like I think there's a lot of kind of like geographics that's linked to things like class, mm. education in the UK and kind of feeling like 
you know, not having Northern representation in London also meant kind of not having a certain kind of working class re- representation. And I, I feel like I've been seeing more and more kind of community projects by younger people in London that are very specific on, you know, uh, you know, open call for Northern creatives or something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. you know, and I just wonder... Um, obviously, we talked about East Anglia being also linked to kind of like leveling up areas, um, you know, like I just wonder. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think this is like you have to have an answer. But, but, I, just but I would wonder- say it relates back to that thing I was talking about at the start, which I didn't really articulate very well. But like, here's a lot of like love and joy and fun and laughter of like thinking about my childhood growing up in yeah. this small village where there were this kind of multiple parents around that were right. looking after all of us and had their eye out for all of us. Even at my auntie Nolene's funeral the other week, they mentioned how I like went for two dinners. Like I had a dinner at my mum's and I went for a dinner around hers. Yeah. Like they were there because, <laughs> you know, I like a meal as well. Yeah. You know, and it, and I think when I think of, I suppose when I think of Norfolk and I think of East Anglia, I think about these times with my second cousin Albert and just tr- just everyone just trying to rip and take the piss out of each other and, and everyone trying to... Um, it's a basically a community thing, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think when I met Fred and Limes at at, at Slade, we, we sort of reminded ourselves of this kind of like culturally this 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 thing that that we're that we're part of this right. this place, you know. Yeah. Um, so I suppose I wanted to continue that community and can that community still like live with our knowledge? Of, yeah. You know, Limes from Ipswich and Fred was from Great Yarmouth and. You know what? What does that? What can we bring to the game with the, yeah. with with this with this knowledge? So oh, I think great. I think maybe it's like yeah, it's about yeah, it's about love really, and about mm. ha- like laughter and lols and like yeah. So I think that's what it means. And maybe. I like that that's part of your work too, because I think um, yeah, I, I I think sometimes too like the art world has this perception or likes to put on this. Uh, you know, likes to put on this thing that kind of like it's serious or like humor and and kind of like, you know, highbrow thought are somehow mutually exclusive, mm, right? Yeah. Um, I like the fact that you, you know, you do the karaoke thing, mm. right? Um, I like the fact that there's a there's humor embedded in things too, you know, because, um, well, it's just another component part of the dance maybe, isn't it? Like, it's like, it's like another thing. It's just, or if things are funny, like, yeah, I know, but I I feel like the art world, like if someone's using humor for their art, like, I feel like the art world loves having to, then now they tell you they go oh this artist uses humor in right their work. exactly then but it's they, like what are they not it's funny like, who all the time cares <laughs> if they use humor in the work yeah you yeah, know yeah. what i mean like we'll never say like oh this person is like super fucking depressing mm, yeah you yeah, know yeah, yeah. it's just it's just super fucking depressing yeah you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like yeah. it doesn't have to be preface yeah you know? yeah um, no exactly yeah yeah you know i mean and just things are just really i think yeah i think with artists like there's, a, you know, it's like everything I think in in the world, like ev- all the things. Like I think of buildings, like ninety percent of buildings 
aren't like very that like really like beautifully designed you know right there's like yeah. a 10 percent of things which is like really really good Where you're like damn and i think like <laughs> you're like damn this is you're great like, and i think the same that it, building is lit yeah, <laughs> it happens in art as well you know like there's there's only a few there's only a few things that you really catch the energy of like right. you really like yeah this is this is the thing i think there's a lot you know so like when something's really good it's just good and no one recently needs to talk about it in a way sure like, like when I'm just thinking of like great art that I like, like Ray Johnson, what he'd like Ray Johnson kind of, um, yeah. he, he says that he says it costs his artwork costs two grand. And then the guy says, can I get it for 1500? So he cuts $500 right. out. Yeah, like, yeah. I love Amazing. all that. Or like, you know, Duchamp carrying glass in the back of a van and then like realizing that it's an artwork, you know, like, I think that's really situational interactivism as well. Like, and, th- and I think, that, or just some beautiful images carry a certain em- energy, isn't it? So it's never like, oh, painting's better than drawing's better than whatever. It's just like some, some things have got energy and feeling and, yeah. and some things haven't, do you know what I mean? And or for a- you, like they resonate to you or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of art history too where I feel like we're, you know, the humour is maybe a bit lost on us because we're just not in on the joke anymore. But yeah. that doesn't mean that, you know... Yeah, as we're saying, like, context at the time, like, yeah. it's hard to understand 1914 yeah, now, like, right. in a way. But, like, Even if you look at Hogarth, you know, I, I think a lot of people would, you know, nowadays come to Hogarth and be like, what am I looking at? And it's painting, yeah. uh, it's of the certain time period, and kind of miss the the fact that he's kind of taking the piss out of... yeah. A certain crust of society. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? It's a bit of a... Yeah, exactly. Like, Which is all right as well, you know. Yeah. Because maybe Hogarth in this time would be polarised as a... I don't know, someone who's been... Who's a, as a bad person or something. So yeah. But, like mean, in, it, but maybe yeah. 10 years ago would be like on Nevermind the Buzzcocks and I don't know if you know that show I don't know like, but it's well, like there was like there was like a show anyway no maybe I shouldn't about mention. the Buzzcocks no 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 no, no it wasn't okay. anyway. it's just another, it's another <laughs> thing but like, I don't know like 10 years ago would be like seen as hilarious and then maybe but like in in 10 years time would be seen as hilarious and then right, 10 years after right. that wouldn't be you know it's just a sort of cycle yeah. I don't know really if I know what I'm well I about think that. there was an attempt to kind of do this thing with Hogarth with um, his show at Tate Britain what was that like two years ago Right. Or or maybe a year and a half. It was like Hogarth in Europe or something. Okay. And I feel like they were trying to, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm sure like curatorially there's there's all kinds of kind of like theoretical discourse as to what they were trying to accomplish with the show. But for me, it seemed like it was an opportunity to kind of to kind of uh, present to a contemporary audience. All the ways in which, uh, you know, that humor was embedded, and yeah. to be, you know, and also to not have it kind of like caked in art history and and theor- and discourse. Yeah, it was actually yeah. more about like going back to the painting and kind of being like, "What's happening here?" You know, like yeah. what are we looking at? Um, um, which a lot of it was like making fun of. Like specific, like French styles and fashion that like a certain part of society. You th- are you thinking about like the gin trap that painting, that, that drawing tree, like that kind of thing where people are falling over drunk? In yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and they were right. like, yeah, because it's very cartoonish, isn't it? It's yeah. very, it's very like uh, it's like a New Yorker cartoon. But, yeah, you know, and that was the medium of that. You know, he was working through. There weren't like. 
you know, I don't know. It, it, it just, it was, it was interesting. And I think, again, this like whole like... But that style of drawing was like a French... Or the, or the, sorry, the fashion was like... Yeah, there was a lot of taking the piss out of people coming back from Europe with these kind of like French fashions but kind of overdoing it yeah right? yeah okay. and then yeah, yeah. it um you know there was a lot of kind of like poking fun at the kind of like gluttonous uh high society overindulgent yeah you know? yeah yeah. Um, yeah i mean it's a bit like maybe the way that like bedware williams makes drawings about like people do you know that guy mm, ben? he's I, ma- I he makes so. drawings about he hates that he hates that like people are sort of gentrifying whales and he kind of makes these drawings oh, right. about like he, they're just like they're just observations, but they're so cutting. Do you right, know what I mean? They're right, like, he's yeah, making yeah. he's making drawings about someone enjoying the Welsh landscape, but he's like, but he's just pissed it's off like that they're there. Yeah, do you right. know what I mean? And he's sort of, <laughs> but it's like the, the the you know that it's a piss take because like in the generic way that the thing is said on the uh, so I'm not describing it very well. You just need to kind of look at his, yeah. Like, no, I I kind of know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like um, I don't know. To me, it also reminds me of the show, and I, I don't know if you've seen the show, but Portlandia. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah. is like, which is very much like taking the piss out of people, but also like, you know, Fred Armisen and Carrie Brownstein were like, well, yeah, that was also just kind of like our life. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I no, it's, this, so, it's, yeah. So, it's so close, isn't it? Because I, I actually used to know the guy that made. Do you remember? I love my life as a dickhead. That was like the British mm-hmm. version of Portlandia, yeah. but it was like this. It was a YouTube video, okay, but the guy, cool. the guy was interviewed. who made it. He was like, he's caught up a friend of a friend, and he was, and he was saying, yeah, like I mean, I know this world because I am this world, you know. <laughs> right. So it's like, it's, yeah. it's like I love that kind of acceptance of like, yeah, yeah, yourself in this world that you're yeah. so kind of like, yeah, because oh, yeah. we're all like that when we like, of when course, when you criticize yeah, yeah, yeah. things and you look down, and you're like, oh, you're wearing the same things. You were like, you know? I had this thing <laughs> happen to me like almost. And that's my Almost auntie. Said, my, my auntie yeah. said the other day, like when you're talking shit about someone else, you're only ever talking about yourself. You yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my god, you're so right. Like, <laughs> you're so right. I go to this one coffee shop, kind of in between Peckham and East Dulwich. Yeah. Kind of only on the weekends, because you know it's like ten steps out of the way yeah. when I'm actually going to work. And it, there's always a long line, and I'm always just like, oh, this fucking guy ordering a cappuccino. <laughs> you know what and I mean? You do it. <laughs> and then and then I just realize, like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm about to do, too. And I'm literally, like, existentially angry yeah. at the people in front of me, just being like, what a bunch of hipsters ordering cappuccinos. <laughs> you don't see yourself. You're like yeah, a flaneur. Exactly. You're a detached observer. Yeah. Well, you, because for then... some reason, I'm different, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, man. So, I mean, there's, there, yeah, go on. Yeah, what do we got coming up for you? Um, well, yeah. So I'm. I've got this. Um, I'm, I've been doing these singing lessons. I said. Oh yeah. Um, and um, it's really good. I'm just sort of like, just taking the time to understand myself a lot more at the moment. Yeah. And you're definitely in like the audio audio sphere work well you're doing no, a lot I mean, of drawing and stuff these days too right yeah yeah, yeah. i mean yeah i've been I, I was doing lots of drawings of um well yeah. I, I suppose like I, I my dad's got these old stencils from his bottom drawer and he's been um i suppose because everything's gone on the computer now so so he just got the, these kind of like the stencils, these kind of technical drawing stencils that aren't sort of there anymore so i just kind of got them and then i started drawing 
I'm just those, uh, are those mirrored drawings that you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of them end up initially turned out they were like crosses, like crucifixes, and yeah. I wasn't really sure why they were coming out like that. But it was. But then I realised at some point it had a lot to do with the body and like it a lot to do with um, something I'm talking about in therapy quite a lot about having the answers in my body myself, like mm. and the gut being like a real central place where. Um, I don't need because because almost like my brain goes off in like so many different directions, and we we're talking about in therapy how I wasn't completing at the end of a sentence because I was already interjecting with something else. Mm. So like the brain is this really kind of can be for me like a, such a confusing place, and I think since knowing that I'm not finishing my sentences. Correct. I hope I don't know how many sentences I finished. You're like, doing. I would yeah. say you're doing great. <laughs> I just cut one then. If it's not me interrupting <laughs> you, yeah. But, but like, so, so, the, so, I keep thinking about like centrally, like the body, the brain is there, the gut is there. They're kind of linked with a line. And you yeah. know, shout out Sandra because uh, um, we were talking a lot, a lot about this with Sandra Smith, who's a who's an artist I've been working with in. Um, do you want to do my? You taking a picture? He's <laughs> <laughs> um, an artist that I've been working with at the Slade in this widened participation, a lot of this kind of thinking, I sort of realised later was like things that she, she'd been telling me um, about, I don't know, about geometry and and this kind of thing. So a lot of these drawings, these sort of geometric drawings are kind of coming out of this thinking about, yeah, just being like a kind of centred individual and and, um, and trying to find um, some, some kind of balance because yeah, all the drawings amazing, are quite yeah. symmetrical. And and also about being open and not thinking and conceptualising too much about my work before I make it. Because mm. I think I've found myself quite a lot of the time being really stuck because I'm trying to make, I'm trying to do something. Um, which, you know, because I've just got this car as well. Um, the Picasso. I've got the Picasso, yeah. <laughs> which is a bit, the joke there is that I, what I tell people is that like I got the Arts Council funding and then... I used that money to buy the car, right? Which is not completely true. <laughs> just if anyone's listening, yeah. but no, but it's like it's um, but it, 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 I think you know there is money that you can. Anyway, I'm not going to explain myself. But, <laughs> but anyway, that's if the gag. From that, Arts Council, that's that's that's, that's the yeah, gag. Right, that's the yeah. gag. That's the gag. But like um, yeah. So, but but actually, I'm just trying to do. Like I'm just mm. I'm taking the Nike thing. Just do it. And so I'm going into these drawings, and I'm going into my car. And not really having too much of a plan about what I'm going to do. Yeah. And they just, they, these kind of things happen and then all these things kind of resonate and the things I've been talking about in therapy or like conversation yeah. with Sandra or something I've been talking about with like Hannah and, and they kind of, they, like they, they kind of come up and um, so. But that's amazing because I can actually like, look, you can, you can easily link the singing and the centeredness and, you know, to literally the, the drawings and, and how they look. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I actually feel like as I get older, I stop making, I, I stop trying to think of like, how does this thing fit into my work mm. as much as like, if I just do something, it will fit in. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like things kind of fit in in very, uh, very logical ways mm, mm. that actually, if you start to overthink, I think that's when 
like overthinking is really bad. This is not to say don't think. Yeah, but yeah, this yeah. Is just yeah. to say that like overthinking can definitely stunt creativity. But right? I think to some extent, like with all the great things that I learned at art school, like. I, I also at this time I, the overthinking was re- I don't know I think it made me think like way too much as well yeah, and I've yeah. had to kind of like in the same way I had to remove my school education to be able to be free I also have to kind of remove a bit of that art world education sure to sort of be free as well and not because it comes I think with fashion and taste and judgment you know mm. and that's why you start to put constraints on something before you've even made it you right know? right and you're right, definitely the singing is like totally related to the body. And yeah. like, and I'm also going into that with like very little judgment for the making process because I'm making it with um, Polly Hewitt, uh, who's a singing professional. She was on Top of the Pops. Um, shout out Polly as well. Because, That's amazing, um, yeah. And she's up in Sudbury in East Anglia and I've been driving to hers. And every time I drive to hers, I have this, this um, singing lesson and... The first time we did it, um, we just ended. I just ended up talking. Well, what happened? I had a singing lesson where she told me about like she also coming from the gut. How like and she had I had said I had like a big chest and I can hold a lot of volume and I can mm. project a lot. Um, so that almost became like a little series of drawing. No, then, sorry, the next day, like, I'm not finished the sentence now. Like, <laughs> no, 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 I, I, yeah. I'm right there with you. <laughs> but then my, um, she said the next day we're going to do songwriting. Can you put a few words down basically? So I, so I went back and I drew my like chest in that kind of way with these stencils. Mm. And I was like, so then I started to like find some words from it. So I had this like series of words, which was almost like this chant. So I had told her this process and they, she was like, oh cool. Like, and then I was like, but I really want to make this more like, a relatable piece of work like I want to make like a Gary Barlow mm. three minute pop song like I'm not I'm not trying to be Aphex Twin right now I'm trying to be like I'm just trying to like <laughs> like a w- shout out Aphex Twin but like yeah. and shout out Gary Barlow but like I'm trying to you know uh, d- do something which kind of has these sort of words and lyrics or something so, she, mm. so then she started to say oh why don't you just kind of you know why don't we break these words down that you've given me and you tell me a bit more about them? Then we did that and then we just were pulling these lines from them. Yeah. And then we've got these really amazing lines that Yeah, they of, are amazing. That, <laughs> it's almost like a mantra or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I, I I mean that in the best way possible. I'm not saying Oh yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I mean right, but yeah. the thing is it it's not like its current state is like really raw and mm. it's like it's something, but it's it's more about this this thing with Polly and then this kind of um thing that happened and then i don't know i don't know what what it means for like an objective work or something or maybe the work already happened kind of thing in a way you know well maybe it's the the work is the the work is literally the work and it's Mm. not output Mm. you know like de-emphasize the output yeah right maybe it's not having i feel like in in an interesting like talking to someone and or like radio shows or whatever, or speaking about what you've been doing, like, mm. and just telling people what you've been doing is a kind of interesting enough output, like, or like, right. or is a kind of nice place for it to exist, yeah. you know? Yeah. It doesn't satisfy maybe the aesthetic need somehow, but it can do if we put a nice cover on the podcast thing, you know sure, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. or, you know, um, I mean, I'd love to, 
you know, play out this episode with some of that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I was yeah. thinking that, but it's it's a bit mad. But yeah, yeah, we could, we could. Yeah, 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 yeah let's do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Do you, is there anything else you want to? Yeah, I've got, like, because I've got, I've missed out here, though. I mean, I mean no, we're I gonna, think, there's think, plenty think, that we're going to miss. You I think know? I think it's all good. Yeah. But basically, shout out Hannah LaFerve because she's a massive inspiration. She's my like really good friend. And uh, and uh, we made a lot of work together at set studios. Oh, yeah. And that's shout right. out set. That and was with the handshake. The handshake uh, yeah, we've make, yeah, we've made a handshake work together. And But it, it, I love what's come out of this discussion, like these, these ideas, but they seem to link to these different communities that I've had, like, in my lifetime which is like this this initial community like back home and this community of people that I was with at Slade and then this community that I gathered at set where kind yeah. of Hannah was central to that as, and we made like a lot of albums and music together and and and, and other people were there as well and we were making these house bands and stuff but yeah, I don't know. I just and thank, thanks for thanks yeah, for having man. me and like well, you know. I'm I'm excited for you know what you're up to and to see what happens next. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. for me, I've got to find a, this question that comes up at the end, like this: How does something become? Like, how do I present these ideas? Is kind of like the the interesting thing for me. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll check back in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In like six <laughs> months and see how yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Let's go for a beer, maybe, do we? <laughs> <laughs> Are you freaking kidding me? Harry Bix, that was incredible. Thank you so much for coming on to the show and for composing this awesome theme song. Couldn't have done it without you. Upcoming guests will include Kira Blakey, Aaron Green, Fabio Coverini, so keep your eyes peeled. If you're in Manchester, weekend of 25th and 26th November, I will be at the Bound Art Book Fair at the Whitworth. So come and say hello, maybe even get a little interview. We'll be producing a special episode for that. Thanks for tuning in, and see you soon. And I'm just going to play you out with a little keyboard ASMR. <laughs>